Oh man, was I muted the whole time? Did I mute that whole time? Oh my damn. Okay, let's do a take two. Take two. Okay, stand by everybody. Back to positions one. By the way, oh, this is by the way great, great crew. Great crew. Okay, hey, you know, I can't believe I just did that. This is really uh both funny and embarrassing. But let me let me let me take it from the top if you don't mind. Take take two. You should have been giving me hand signals, man, like we were on set or something. Holy, you were like waiting for this to go. So let's let's do this one more time. We're gonna do a, a another start. And oh man, now he's on this show, and I'm. All right. Well, <laughs> welcome to Live Courageously, the podcast show. I'm your host, John Duffy, and this is now with audio. And this is the 32nd Live Courageous podcast show since I started the show a year and a half ago. Today, my guest is someone very special, and I'm going to be real tired of reading this for the second time, but I'm going to lose my regular opening to jump right into the show so we can spend all of the hour minus what I just lost with him. My guest today is a great friend and a courageous human, Martin Gigi, who leads with love and all he does. Martin is an award-winning filmmaker, music director, producer, and composer. Gigi has directed, written, and produced feature films, music videos, composed music for film and television, worked on 130-plus productions, produced over 50 music albums, toured extensively, and music directs high-profile broadcast concert events, including the popular Guitar Legends and America Salutes You TV series. Gigi is the co-founder and president of Sunset Pictures and EVP of Pacific Records. He was born in Buenos Aires, Argentina, the son of the renowned orchestra conductor Maestro Efren Gigi. Martin has a eclectic upbringing in New York City, Puerto Rico, and Vermont, a music prodigy playing violin at the age of four. His concert debuted at age 12, now an accomplished pianist and keyboard player <laughs> as a filmmaker and in the back i'm loving this we're getting we're getting all this behind the scenes work here as a filmmaker gigi has worked with stars and icons of the entertainment industry including robin williams Whoopi goldberg dennis quay richard dreyfus and charlie sheen has directed six feature film plus six films and produced many many more as a music director and producer Martin Gigi has shared the stage, recorded, and performed with music greats. And this is a very abbreviated list, um, including Christina Aguilar, uh, Billy Gibbons, Travis Tripp, Brad Paisley, Peter Frampton, Daryl Hall, Stephen Sills, Lady Gaga, Keb Moe, Slash, Doobie Brothers, The Cars, Belinda Carlisle, Sammy Hagar, uh, Kenny Loggins, Sheila E., Lyle Lovett, Smokey Robinson, Jose Feliciano, Nancy Wilson from Heart, Robbie Krieger from The Doors, Richard Sambora, Joan Osborne, Trace Atkins, Lee Greenwood, uh, the Gatlin Brothers, NRBQ, Bo Diddley, Brett Michaels, Billy Ray Cyrus, Julio Iglesias Jr., Maxi Priest, and Don Fell of the Eagles, and many, many more. Y'all, now that is some serious uh, credits there, my friend. And Gigi has won numerous Best Director Awards, Grammy-nominated Billboard Awards, ASCAP Awards, United Nations Awards, Caesar Awards, Golden Spirit Awards, Easterbrook Award, twice honored by the City of Los Angeles for artistic contributions to music education. And Martin produces and music directs broadcast shows for veteran causes as well as for the Mr. Holland Opus Foundation, Endangered Species and the Prevention of Child Abuse. Gigi has helped organize and music directed the iconic One American Concert event hosted by the five living U.S. presidents, uh, raising $45 million for hurricane relief in Houston. 
Martin is also a contributing author to the book Aftershock, which is the 50th anniversary of the book Future Shock. But wait, there's more. There's more, right, Martin? There's more. <laughs> there's more. Uh, Gigi was a standout high school basketball player and still passionately enjoys the game, having played in the NBA Entertainment League with the likes of Adam Sandler, Will Ferrell, Justin Timberlake, Snoop Dogg, Jamie Foxx, Satcha Baron Cohen and Kevin Hart, not to mention playing basketball weekly for the last 10 years with myself and a great group of friends in the film industry. Wow, greetings, my brother, Martin Gigi. Hey, good night, everybody. <laughs> hey, I, so, I, like, so I, like, I, like the, I like the better was when it was on mute. That, 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 was, that, that was a silent version. That was for silent film. That was for back in the day. Because we, we started our careers back when silent film started, right? That's, so That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> that's right. We were running around with an 8-millimeter camera. Actually, that's, that's what I did. You know, when I, when, I, uh, when I was about 13 years old, my bicycle was stolen. And my, my parents, like a few months later, gave me a check. And, and I was like, wow, what's this check for? And they said, well, you know, that's the insurance from your bike being stolen. And I, I, I first, first thing I thought of was like, wow, this is, we should insure everything, first of all. Secondly, that's pretty cool. And, you know, at the time, I had done a bunch of research because I was looking into wanting to have the ability to be able to film ideas and stories. And I didn't want to do it just on a video camera. I wanted to do it on film. And so I took the money and I bought a Super 8 sound camera. And I became like, you know, the nuisance of the neighborhood, man. And, you know, it was like I was filming everything. I still have some of that stuff. In fact, over the pandemic, I, I, you know, I think a lot of people did this. You know, we went through all our junk in our garages or attics or whatever you want to call it. And I, I found all this stuff. And it was in pretty good shape, meaning like it hadn't melted yet. And so I've transferred it to video. And uh, it, when it came back to me, I realized nobody should see any of that. <laughs> <laughs> Except my kids. So I think what not to do. Right. Well, he, he, now here's the thing. That, that, that was a funny opening that we just pulled off. But how did, you know, uh, for people, how did we first meet, me and you? By the way, if you really wanted to do this right, we should probably do the opening again, but with no image. You're right. You know, maybe, maybe we'll, we'll, we'll do it at three versions, man. You know, and, and then we'll do the director's cut. You get to cut it after for me. <laughs> <laughs> well, the director's cut is I'm interviewing you. All right. All right. Then. But I'm reading your I'm reading my bio as if it was yours. I like it. I like it, man. <laughs> uh too funny. So where did we meet? When, when, when was the first time we met? Well, I remember the first time we met. It was in, in Venice, uh, on Main Street in Venice, at a little sort of uh, deli coffee shop. Um, and I'm going to say either 2010 or somewhere in there, 20, 2009, 2010, probably. And we were introduced by Ronnie Clemmer, producer Ronnie Clemmer. Uh, because we both had a mutual friend in common and he had written a script called Beneath the Darkness. And uh, we were, we, we had met because you were a, one of the producers, line producers, production manager, you were wearing several hats and we were, I think you were checking to see if, if, you know, if I, if, if I had, if I was, if I had any clue 
whatsoever about how to make a movie. <laughs> well, and of course, you know, you realize that, you know, we both were clueless and it worked out great. <laughs> and here is here's the picture of uh, that first movie, uh, Beneath the Darkness, that we did um, with a Dennis Quaid. And we did that, that down in uh, Smithville, Texas. And then we went on and we did this other one. We worked together, Paradise Cove. But I remember, yes, you know, we were down there doing that movie and I told him not have frightening to see those posters, by the way. What's that? It's frightening to see those. <laughs> well, which is what those movies are supposed to do, scare you a little bit. But I do know I do recommend, you know, those are two good ones. They are, and they they they, they scared us in the making of it. But besides having a great time making the movie with Martine, and that was my first time working with you, man. It was such a blast because the uh, what you did on the set and how you set the atmosphere was, was amazing. And then, of course, the other thing that we'll come back later and we'll flip back to later is in the middle of the shoot, you know, uh, talking about being crazy. You know, first thing you asked me was to play basketball with you. And I'm like, uh, hey, Martina, I'm, I'm line producing here. I got some work to do, man. And you're like, oh, come on, man. You, you know, you, you nobody else can come play. So I had not played in about five, six years from blowing my Achilles. But of course, you talked me into it and we started playing. And of course, we've been playing now over 10 years later every week. So that was another great thing that you created for me that time. So we had a blast on that set. So um, and then and, you know, and, and, and uh, I remember also for anybody who doesn't know Ronnie Clemmer or for anybody who does know Ronnie Clemmer, he did come out to try to play basketball with us. And he did something very interesting. He kind of did a <laughs> somersault flip in the middle of a shot. I've never, <laughs> never seen anybody do that to date. So that's still something that if you're out there. And you're you're planning to be create a creative dunker. You could do a somersault and a flip before dunking the ball. It would be you know a little bit of an acrobatic thing. I've seen the guys that jump off the uh, trampolines do that at the games during halftime. That's a little bit what Ronnie looked like when he when he came out. And we love I, I, you, Ronnie. If you're out there, we love you and we miss you. Yes, and, we and, do. And, yes, I, and we I will do. say that that the hoop game, um, and that's there's a whole other philosophy to the, what that game does for your metaphysics, for your physical, for your intellectual, for your emotional, for your spiritual. I mean, I sleep a lot better every time I play hoops. I come home that night, I sleep. I also crawl to the bathroom because I'm in the middle of the night because I'm trying to do my, my brain is telling my body to do things it shouldn't be doing anymore. But um, I will say that during, during production, uh, that was such a great release, you know, to be able to go down there and play hoops with you every production, no matter what industry you're in, no matter what your dream is, no matter what your goal is, no matter what your project is, finding a balance along the way that gives you a sense of inner peace so that you can operate at your own rhythm, at your own tempo. And that's certainly what one of the things that basketball does for me. Playing music does that for me as well. And laughter, laughter does that for me as well. And you and I found all those things that we had in common on the court which we hadn't had a chance to do because we were in the middle of just trying to make a production work in, in Austin, Texas. Great crew, by the way, great cast, great team. That was a, one of, one of my favorite productions I've ever been a part of. It, it was, it, and it was so fantastic. And, and just to give people an idea of who you are, because we had all that, we had basketball, we had humor, we had filmmaking, we had family, friends, we had it all. But then in the middle of this, just to give you an idea of who Martin Gigi is, we have a 20-day shoot. It's 20 days, which for those who may not know, that's not a lot of time. And we have a lot to accomplish. So I think in the first week, um, uh, you came to me and you said, hey, I got this great idea. And of course, I started getting worried, right? <laughs> <laughs> and you go, hey, why don't we put on a concert 
for the police department's Toys for Tots program down here because it was around coming into the holidays and we'll raise some money for the Toys for Tots program. Dennis Quaid will bring his band in. I'll bring in my band. We'll get some local musicians and we'll set up a, a concert. And I'm like, you're kidding me, right? You're kidding me. And I said, so yeah, after the movie's over, right? You're no, 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 no. We'll do it like a week from now. I'm like, while we're filming the movie, we're going to organize this big concert. I said, you're crazy, man. And you just started laughing. And you were like, no, no, it's great. It'll be fantastic. Blah, blah, blah. Well, of course we did it. And we raised like $10,000 for the Toys for Tots. You were fantastic. You brought in, you know, Quaid's band. And it was, the town had such a blast. And it was your way of giving back to them to thank them for allowing us to film there and, and to help the, you know, so that the whole experience was just nothing but unusual, but in a fantastic way. So that was my first introduction to making a movie with you. Um, oh, and, and, and thank you. And right back at you because it was a team effort and you were open to making it happen. And Smithville and Bastrop were great to us when we made that film. And, you know, the community, when you can get the community involved, when you're filming a production outside of L.A., and, you know, you can get the community involved. It's very helpful. Right. And so um, to know that those kids that normally wouldn't get presents for the holidays, which is an odd thought and to know that they were going to get presents. And of course, the police department were so helpful as well. You know, they, they and, and by the way, I don't know if you remember a, a little a little trivia, nostalgia, whatever you want to call it. Tony Aller, who was one of the stars of the film, performed that evening. Uh, and uh, for those of you who know, he eventually went on to become MKTO, very popular pop group uh, duo, uh, music duo. And, um, you know, little did we know then. I remember he got up on stage and I was like, because he was like, hey, can I, can, I, can I sing a song? Can I sing a song? And of course, you know, of course. That's... And he gets up there and he sounded great. And sure enough, you know, a few years later, big, big music star, big pop star. He's a super talented guy. Big shout out to Tony Aller out there, man. Yeah, and, and, and just, just another example. I mean, we could probably spend an hour just on that experience alone. But, you know, it was during Halloween. So we took Tony Aller and some of the young cast and we set up this thing at this uh, uh, closed down school. And we put people in there and hit, they hid in the school. And we went in there like, and we told them that was there was ghosts in the school. So we brought these young actors in and we scared the living daylights out of them. Like people popped out from behind doors. They freaked out and Tony got, and you know, that was the kind of uh, experience we had. We just had such a blast with everybody that it was, uh, you know, everybody wanted to do it again, man. So- Well, you know, you creating, know. creating cinema, creating productions, content, whether it's television cinema or a music production or a tour, Life in general, you know, if you want to talk about metaphorically speaking, is all about the, you know, and I, I've said this before, you and I, this is kind of our mantra. It's the right people at the right place at the right time or else life's too short, right? And it's about sharing similar values, DNA. Um, it's about the collaborative, uh, the connective tissue of knowing that it does take a village. It does take a team to make cool things happen. You, no matter what you jump into, no matter what you're planning, whatever your dream is, whatever you're manifesting, no matter what industry you're in, the idea is to have a memorable, positive experience, that kind of a journey. Ultimately, our legacy, our individual legacy, everybody on the planet, our individual and collective legacy is based on how we are going to be remembered. And how we're going to be remembered ultimately is about how we impact others. 
And you and I have always had that similar mantra that it's all about positivity, building bridges, facilitating. And when you see somebody else shine, I don't know, that's just the world I come from. I get off on that. And um, so it, 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 it makes it easier, right? It makes the journey palatable and enjoyable when, uh, when you're enjoying it. When you I mean, I jump out of bed to do all the things that I do. And you know this, John, um, uh, whether it's to make music or, you know, the thing that I love the most, which is to be a dad or to make movies, uh, whatever it is, uh, I, I jump out of bed to do it every day. I wasn't, that was instilled in me as a kid. My dad was always a give back guy. I became very aware of living courageously at a very young age. Um, my dad and my mom both were immigrants. I was born in Argentina. My, my parents came here escaping fascism from Argentina. And I grew up in New York City, which was a, a, a great melting pot. I don't have to tell you, um, you know, Bronx boy, right? I mean, it's just like we get along. Everybody gets along. No matter what, you just figure it out. You wear it on your sleeve. What you see is what you get. And that's the upbringing I, you know, I, I lived at a very early age. So it's always, to me, it's always about nurturing what your dream or what your idea or your thought is and feed it every day. Every day should feel like a lifetime, like you've contributed in one way or another emotionally to either somebody else's life in a positive way or to your own life. And learning to like what you do, love what you do, like yourself, love yourself, forgive yourself, and make it happen. And that takes a, 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 what, you know, a laser, I'm gonna, say, I'm gonna use this word, a laser focus. It's a laser focus and it's nurturing, nurturing your, your whatever your goals, short-term or long-term goals are. And also discovery, learning and discovering every day. That is so important, man. I remind myself that every day, how, how important it is to, to see something through new eyes. Well, you definitely do that. I want to jump into some of the films and, and particularly a film that you just had released in the theater. We're going to play a trailer from it. This is just some of, of the films that you've done since, you know, uh, some of the ones we did together. So the Bronx Bull, 9-11, and now Sweetwater. And Sweetwater has an amazing story uh, because it was released in the theaters just uh, recently. I'm about to play the trailer from uh, Sweetwater. Um, but that's something, and we want to talk about that. That's something you have championed of all the other movies for over 26 plus years from when you started this in New York. So rather than talk about it, let me play the trailer for people to watch and then we'll come back and have a conversation about it. Nathaniel Clifton always known he was born with a higher purpose. Joe Lapchick. Matt Clifton. Some call me Sweetwater. I coach a team called the New York Knickerbockers. Ain't no Negroes playing your league. It's not gonna be like that forever. The NBA champs got their asses kicked by an all-Negro team. It's like a circus, though. It's Ringling Bros. Sweetwater knows this game better than anyone. I will fight for this. I want to fight with you. Sweetwater, that was your last game wearing a Trotter uniform. Your next game will be in a Nick jersey. You know you can't play him. The guy is the future of the NBA. Change is happening. But I don't know that my city can take it. 
ain't about the color of my skin. You need to move away from my lily white pumps. It's about being true to the game of basketball. It's unnecessary to have all this razzle-dazzle on our courts. And that's what the Negro players will do. But every time we step on this court, it means something. Ready to change the game? Oh, I was born ready. Wow. That is a, if you can see that anywhere you can see it, please go see that movie. Uh, that's, you know, but you, you know, Martin, that just speaks to you. You, you got the story 26 years ago and you've been, uh, you know, going through so many uh, things throughout that time to get to make that a reality. So congratulations, brother. It was an excellent film. I had the honor to be able to watch it at Warner Brothers where you had the uh, screen in there. And, and it was such a great thing to see you share you know, what you, your dream and the fact that you brought that dream to fruition and told a great true story. So congratulations, man. And speak on it for us. Thanks, John. You lived it too, because you heard me tell, I think that first time we met, uh, I had mentioned something about that to you, about this story. Cause it always, I always identified with it for so many reasons. I've always been attracted to stories that need to be told. There's a story of something I didn't know about or whether it's an original story or a unique story. And this spoke to my heart about, uh, you know, I'm, I'm all about creativity and imagination. I love that imagination is more valuable than knowledge, as Einstein's once said. And I've, I've identified with several things in this, in this story when I bumped into it and uh, felt that I was either writing a book or maybe making a documentary. I wasn't sure what it was, but I knew I had to, I wanted to learn about it. What happened back then, not only who was the first African-American to play in the NBA, but the genesis of the game that I've always loved so much. And it's applicable to every aspect um, of my life. And it plays into, I think a lot of people identify with this, the idea of trying something new, being creative, using your imagination and applying it to what you do and love. And in this case, it's applicable to the game of basketball. And it could be, that could be, that could be applied to everything, business, uh, whether you're cooking something and you're trying something new that nobody's ever done before. It's about innovation. It's about change. It's about evolution and moving the ball forward as a species, as a culture, as a global culture. And I, I, you know, I grew up loving uh, blues and for me, you know, that was like, that's the foundation of, of me as a creator, the format of the blues without getting into it too much, you know, where it's a, it's a question and answer. And when you get the answer, it makes you feel better. And that's what playing the blues does, but it's also the foundation, the it's, it's the, um, the fiber optics of all music is based on the structure of the blues, which really comes from the church, from Handel and Bach, who really started that structure, which is a verse, chorus, verse, chorus, of the structure musically, the answer, the question and answer of a musical piece. And I, I, I saw that in this story. I felt it, that there were three players, Earl Lloyd, Chuck Cooper, and Sweetwater Clifton, and they were all firsts, right? And all first black players in the NBA. 
And I wanted to know how that happened. I was just curious. And then when I saw that Clifton was tied to the trotters and to a different style of play, the style of play that I grew up loving, man, I used to go down to West Forth or down to the, to the, to Riverside park and out to Rucker and watch players try stuff on the court. I think everybody gets a kick out of that. Wow. Did you see that move? I grew up loving creativity in the game. My dad, when I was a kid, he took me to the garden. I saw Earl the Pearl Monroe and Walt Clyde Frazier play, you know, as a kid watching that, that style of play. And when that connective tissue came up in the Sweetwater Clifton story, I knew that, that, that this was a story I was married to, that this was a true purpose in my life to share this story with the world. It took time because it was, an, it was, it was not a lot of information about this story. And uh, that's why the, the 27 plus 28 years that it took to, to get, bring the movie. And also, listen, we all know this. Uh, you're going to hear no. You, that, can all, that should only make you feel stronger. Never get discouraged when you hear no. It just means that it's just not meant to be with that particular group or person or whatever it is you're going to do. Hey, it's like, you know, when, you know, back in the day when I was single and I asked a girl on a date and she said, no, I, you know, it was like, uh, okay, well not meant to be not meant to be instinct. Right. Right. You have to, you, the truth is really important too. And I knew this project, there was always a, a truth to it in my world, in my life. I'm always the guy on the court who's running around, you know, throwing the ball in the wrong direction or over my back or this or that or be. Oh, I, could, I got testimony on that one. Yes, indeed. <laughs> And so uh, I fell in love with that aspect of it. I also fell in love with the aspect of the cultural evolution story of a man whose story was never told, who needed to be told. And I really identified with Nat Clifton. Uh, I, the more I learned about him, the more I, I felt like we would have been friends. I really identified with his journey and his family's journey. And then I felt a responsibility that this story needed to be told, not only to make historic not, not, not only for historical accuracy in present day, but also for future generations. Well, you know, you, 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 by sticking with it, you, you did a great thing because, you, you know, you introduced people. And also, I, we learned things in the movie, and I'm not going to reveal any of them because you just got to go watch it wherever you can on streaming or if you can, it's still in the theaters. You, you know, but there's things that even for fans of basketball probably don't, didn't know. And you did, you brought some history to the, to the thing that just kind of gives us that insight to what it was like back in 1950, what it was like with the Harlem Globetrotters, you know, their backstory and, and all these guys backstory. And then what do they do after, you know, they finish their career and you kind of take us on that, that journey that takes us back into that past. And, and you come away from the, the, uh, the, the movie inspired and basically feeling that, you know, never give up, go for your dreams, because he did, and your movie does, and you did, and taken 26 years. So we all come out of that, uh, you know, feeling so much better. So um, once again, congrats on it. Everybody got to go watch it, rent it, do whatever you can. You, you must see it. So I want to just kind of, you know. Thanks, uh, man. And I, I want to just mention, sorry to interrupt. I, thank you no, for that. And I want to mention that it's really about paying homage to the pioneers and people who came before us, who paved the road for change. It's really important. I mean, that's what we do in every aspect of life. You know, it doesn't matter what faith, you know, background you're from. We're always honoring those who came before us. And that's really important in order to keep evolving, in, in order to be able to take 
instead of one step back and two forward, always take steps forward. The only way to do that is to honor those who came before us that taught us certain values and and and, and so so forth. You don't mind if I take a quick sip of my my veggie shake, do you? Not you because I don't I don't drink I don't I mean I don't eat vegetables, and so the only way that I can consume vegetables, John, is through what I call a veggie shake. Wait. You're actually drinking a veggie shake now? Yeah, and it's the only way I can consume vegetables because vegetables just don't the texture does just doesn't feel right I'm, in my mouth. I'm even I'm even shocked you're doing that, man. I mean, we went we went out for so many dinners, and you know it's always a funny running thing because Martin's like, you know, he t when he orders, he tells you all the things not to put on the hamburger or the steak or whatever, right? And and we always have a goof, and of course we always goof on about the vegetables because the last thing that's going to end up on his plate is a vegetable. There's no way that was ever going to happen. So, oh man, so you now you've moved to veggie shakes. Good for you, man. veggie shake. You know, because like it's it's what I call my hidden vegetable shake. You're, you're, you know, you're making progress here, man. This is good. I don't know what 26, oh, 26 years from now, you might actually eat your first vegetable. I don't know. It may be possible. It's right? never going to, no, that's it. I can tell you some things. That's one thing. That's probably the only thing that's never in my life. I'm a fruit guy. I'm all about this. The proof that there is a power greater than our own is the taste of fruit. So I'm going to pivot. Oh, you know, one, one thing I just want to say, you know, the, um, mm, the screening you had, um, I'm going to throw some pictures up since he's taking us in that direction, but we're going to talk about music. Here's a, here's a picture of, if you think this guy's serious, <laughs> this is exactly how serious he gets on the movie set, in the music, and on the basketball court. This is, that's his most serious face, I think. <laughs> and there's another one of his uh, being serious. Uh, uh, and, and once again, you know, obviously a very depressed personality type right here. <laughs> um, so anyway, you know, that just gives you a little idea of who the, uh, Martin is. But, but you know, a big part of, you know, even on uh, Sweetwater and on your movies, you're also doing the music for the movies as well. And obviously your music career, you know, I went through all the people you played with, which is pretty am amazing. So I'm going to put up a video right now and then we'll talk some more about the music stuff. So let me throw up a quick. Um, a, a video of yours. Pretty cool, pretty cool, man. Um, and that's just one. I may, I'll, I probably will play a couple more uh, of of your thing as well. Um, but you know, the music has obviously been a major part of your life uh, in every way. And I've been honored, but you know, that you've invited me to a couple of your concerts, besides the one in uh, Smithville that you put on um, in the middle of filming. But uh, everything else, I've gone to a lot of them, and I've just enjoyed everything you do and, and how the atmosphere you create and your family. And we'll talk later about, I mean, you have such a talented family and they're all involved in everything from the music to the film to basketball. And, you know, and, and that's, you know, a big credit to who you are as both a, you know, as a husband and a father as well. So uh, much credit to you, man. But music is a big part of your life. And that, that kind of drives, uh, besides basketball, you know, drives your life. So tell us a little bit about the music stuff 
and you know some of uh, the highlights you know of what you do with that and like what we just saw with Billy Billy Gibbons you know you did that down at the Grand Opry uh, Opry but uh, you also took a, a trip with him to Cuba and you uh, performed there so you know my show is called Live Courageously this guy has lived courageously in every field you can imagine so you know whether it's um, music film travel etc uh, so you you definitely reflect the attitude of being a courageous uh, human being, man. So uh, thank, you, thank you, man. I got to tell you, there's a very fine line between living courageously and just being plain old stupid. And so <laughs> I just, I got to point that out when it comes to jumping on a plane with Billy Gibbons and going to Cuba. Listen, I don't highly recommend that to anybody, but it worked for me. But just in general, you know, there's a story there to tell. But it's a backstory about we we might still be uh, doing this call from you in Cuba a few years later. <laughs> <laughs> Chico, no, come Chico, come Chico. You know, I, I will say that that it was amazing to be in Cuba. The people there are extraordinary. Their spirit is beautiful, and and I, I hope that someday we're able to to uh, transform their political system so that we can enjoy and and and, and that they can benefit more from from uh, connecting and, and interacting with the rest of the world. Hundred um, percent. I will tell you, I, lo I love that clip you just played. Um, it's one of my favorites because I love playing with Billy Gibbons. That's obvious, I I'm sure. But but there are a few people that that are close to me in my musical family where like we are also close to each other in our in our filmmaking and just brotherhood and 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 and, and basketball family. And I saw some faces on there. So big shout out to uh, Richie Labamba Rosenberg and Joe Sublet and Mark Pender. And uh, Mike Merritt, who are in that band that I love so much, and Phil Lepresti, and all the whole gang, and this, all the usual suspects that come out and play at the uh, Guitar Legends America salutes you, and just that make music with us in general. And Jimmy Vaughn, man, I, he's one of my favorites to play with. He's just one of those purists. I love, I love purists, you know, and 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 people that stay uh, sort of grounded in the foundation and the roots of great American uh, Americana music. Not, not unlike I love playing with Warren Haynes and, and there's a there's a short list of just people that you know, Gary Clark Jr. We just he was just in, he was in Sweetwater and he just participated on the Sweetwater soundtrack. And it was just such a pleasure revisiting American roots uh, with some of these amazing musicians. I, I always learn something every time I get an opportunity and the privilege of, of playing or, or being in the uh, in the presence of those individuals. But anyway, music, music does a lot of interesting things, as we all know. It's frequencies that impact us in so many ways that we can never imagine. There are things that frequencies can do that obviously come from a place of creation. And I, I'm, I'm speaking both theologically, spiritually, and scientifically. There's, you know, um, uh, in cinema, it, without music, uh, is like a plane without fuel potentially, right? I mean, here we are speaking, right? And if I were to, I'm sure my son Noah, who's, who's a musician himself, won't mind if I grab his guitar. There's his guitar. Yes, Noah G. Noah G. <laughs> so if I, if while I'm speaking to you and here we are having this conversation, I start doing this. Hey, John, how you doing, man? It changes immediately the feeling and, and, and uh, gives us this sense of, again, a, I call it the rhythm of the planet. It gives you a tempo. It locks you in to being true to yourself. Music has that immediate 
instant impact on our metabolism, both intellectually, physically, spiritually, and emotionally. I'm going to show you a couple pictures that my kids found this morning. We were going through our, we were backing up the drive. So this is a picture of me uh, before playing music. <laughs> I, th I think I may have see seen that picture. Yeah, and then this is after playing music. <laughs> before music. Whoops, it's done. It's not going to let me do anything again. Okay, there you go. You know, so, I think I think it, that you could probably use those two pictures before basketball and after basketball too. Yeah, man. right on. <laughs> before love and after love, absolutely, <laughs> and also before a shower and a shave, and after a shower and a shave. There you go, man. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, and so to answer your to answer your question in terms of the music and how it fits into my world as a filmmaker, I rarely get in the way of that uh, filmmaking is cinema is a um, collective creative uh, journey and um, I love having the objectivity of a composer walking in and on this particular film on Sweetwater for some reason there were a lot of melodies and themes and ideas coming through my mind and I had lived it for so long that it was already you know a part of uh, the the process without me even it was very uh, it was like a natural a natural, a very organic um, experience. My hat's off to any composer, though, man. That is a, a gig and a half, and I, I learned a lot uh, collaborating with uh, uh, the great Jeff Cardoni and the great Gordon Goodwin on, the, on, on Sweetwater. And, um, and I look forward to doing that again. There's something really special about uh, applying music because you're filming a scene, and it has a certain tempo, a certain vibe to it. And that has to be matched in the editing room. It has to be matched in the music. It has to be matched in the sound, right? There's a congruity. Again, I'll say it, not just in cinema or filmmaking or music making, that applies to life in general, right? Everybody's sort of moving in the same direction at the same place at the same time. We all want the same thing. And now I'm getting too philosophical about, you know, the concept of, of global harmony, but that's really what it is, man. We all want the same thing, right? It's just how can we get there together? Yeah. Well, you know, in Sweetwater, one of the things that I really enjoyed the most, uh, I, I know so many, but is the music scenes, because, you know, you have a scene in one club where Sweetwater goes in and he, he's at the uh, goes to this club that he's kind of not allowed to come in, but he gets in um, and then they go up to Harlem and the music in both places, you know, kind of really colors the movie. And that music it was just great. And it was just, you know, a great moment. So, yeah, I, I you know, you, the use of music and the way you use the music in that particular movie as well was really powerful and just took you there, took you into the past, took you to that feeling, that vibe, being in that club, you know, and, and uh, seeing everybody happy, enjoying the music. I mean, so you did a great job with that as well inside of Sweetwater, man. Thanks, man. Well, you know, there was something about that era, 1950, 1949 to 50, just post swing where there was the birth of bebop and also it was early r&b and rock and roll was being birthed at the same time it was a renaissance period it was a renaissance moment in general and, and so because it was a birth of change with sweetwater and earl lloyd and chuck cooper walking onto the court for the first time um, breaking the color barrier in the nba it lends itself perfectly in a really organic way to have that those textures in the film 
Um, and I, I'm, listen, man, I'm blessed that I, again, that I got an opportunity to work with such great people around me and that people who were, we all trusted each other. And um, it was without a doubt and a, a magical team effort. I, I can't explain it otherwise. And we all sort of, in, sort of not to stay on Sweetwater, but it, we all felt that we were at the right place at the right time. We all fence, felt, felt a sense of a calling on, on, that, on that project, which blew my mind. Um, everybody took on that sense of um, pride and uh, dedication to it. It, it. it was an amazing experience. And I'm glad that people are enjoying the film. I hope that it continues to reach hearts and souls out there and that it continues to impact people in a positive way. 100%. I just, I'm going to play a short clip uh, of um, the um, guitar legends you know, that, that, that uh, you were involved in. And that's just something very cool too. But once again, you know, it's the, the people you get to play with, you attract that, you attract that vibe, you attract that energy because it's the energy you give out. So, you know, it's just uh, having seen you live at these different events or some of these events on the uh, uh, aircraft carrier, you did one event down there and I've, I've seen some and it's just such a, and then watching your, 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 your son Noah play with them. And it's just, you know, and I, you know, it's just an amazing experience to watch. So I'm going to play this real quick, real quick, and then we'll come right back. Next Saturday, Access TV Concerts presents America Salutes You, Guitar Legends 3. Billy Gibbons and an all-star lineup of guitar giants unite to raise awareness for the mental health of veterans and first responders. Shot live at the Wonderfront Music Festival. It's an incredible concert for a noble cause. America salutes you, Guitar Legends 3. Premieres next Saturday, 9 Eastern, 8 Central, on Access TV. And you've done many of these, you know, and all of them to give back and raise money for first responders, for military vets, and, you know, and also obviously the hurricane relief. So, you know, a, a big part of you uh, being using your musical talent, your connections, your relationships with all these artists to work behind the scenes to be able to create these events and make a difference is another part of who you are that I think is so, uh, so valuable for people to, uh, to, to kind of model and understand that's, that's the way to live life. And, and you know, and, and you definitely do it, man. So do you, man. I, I appreciate those words. Um, I learned it early on from my dad and my mom. They instilled it in me, as I'd mentioned before. Uh, my dad was always doing educational concerts and would bring me along. And they were typically to uh, enhance communities that didn't have either music programs in their schools or that didn't have music education or instruments. We used to go around to uh, people's you know, garage sales and whatnot and pick up old instruments, fix them up and give them away and uh, I've had just, I, I will say there's something about performing and or creating when you're an artist and while you are creating, knowing that that's not just entertaining folks, but also impacting them into the future, potentially helping, saving lives, et cetera, takes on a different meaning. And um, those shows that we started with America Salutes, you, Bob Oaken, uh, who's a great producer, great friend. Um, that's his initiative. And the Guitar Legend shows with Evan Heyman and I, who, you know, we had started building that as well. Those mar that, The marriage between those two brands was perfect. It was so much fun. Such a great time, you know, and everybody yeah. comes out for the right reasons. Like you said, we've, we've got a couple more. and We do a two, a, at least one or two of those a year. 
really good time. Always, always enjoyable. And I always look forward to, uh, to that crew and, 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 and working with those guys. It's, it's a blast. And now we've also started working in the mental wellness uh, space, helping uh, folks in the mental wellness space, as well as in the music education space with that concert. So it'll also impact individuals, uh, you know, in a charitable way in, in, in those spaces. People who are having a hard time, it might be a, a homeless uh, group that we help. It may be uh, a group of, of, of individuals who, for some reason, have lost their way in life. And um, it's always, again, for me, it's always about bringing people together for the right reasons and to move forward in a positive way. And so that show is, has, has been doing that, the America Salucci show. And I'm always grateful, man, because you, know, you never know, as a creator, you never know, is this going to work? You're just going, again, John, we're just going by instinct. I mean, when you say, yeah. hey, I'm going to go and do this, you, you know, you're, you're jumping off of a cliff. Living courageously means you jump off of a cliff. And I've always said, you, you jump off of, a off of a cliff, but you know deep down inside that this is part of your truth and you're always going to grow wings. That's right. You're always going to have a safe landing. Well, I couldn't agree. That was a quote, kind of that quote uh, that I had when I left New York and came to California with $100 in my pocket. It was, you know, jump off the cliff and, you know, hopefully I'm going to fly before I hit the ground. And I did. And, you know, it, that's how you, you, you know, you, you live life. You take those risks without, you know, without being crazy, like you said earlier. But, you know, it's a uh, uh, there's a group, too, I have to connect you with. It's called Give an Hour that does mental health stuff for veterans. It's a great nonprofit. It might kind of feed into what you're doing with the mental health space as well going forward. So I'll make that connection for you. Uh, let, let me just play a real quick thing since you just kind of went into it about artist support. But you have a little thing called Find Your Groove. Oh, and some great. That you do. Let me play that real quick. I think it's a good time to do that. I love this one. Cutting funding is not just about cutting music programs. What you're doing is you're cutting an avenue of voice for these kids. It's so hard to conceive coming out of school as a whole person without having had the arts. One of the most fun I ever had in school was the day we got up in front of the uh, auditorium. Music is within every single last person in some type of form. Music connects us all because the arts don't say no to you. In this family, our philosophy is you got to try every instrument until you find your groove. And that's what keeps you groove. Looking back, I can see that the world around me was a war zone. In the midst of all of this, I was fortunate to be introduced to the flute. The power of music is so astounding. We take things for granted, and then when it's gone, we, we see problems. The soundtrack of my life has been a companion. Music is one of the most important things that gets us through life. There's a science to harmonics, and it translates into society because I want to live in harmony. Everybody loves music. I don't really trust anybody that does it,
All right. I, I think that that's a powerful uh, a note, man, from you, right? That's just one more thing where, you know, finding your groove. Oh, yeah. Music is magical and it's it saves lives. It uh, gives us reason. Um, it's it's the algorithm. It's the code to life. I really believe that. Uh, I have this uh, experimental stuff that I'm doing with a couple of different groups and, you know, in my amateur physics world that I play in. And uh, it's coming together. It's really interesting. Um, soon it will be unveiled. And it's already some information out there. If you just, you know, Google uh, frequency treatment, vibrational treatments. And it's fascinating how frequencies can actually impact in a positive way um, the treatment and recovery of everything from Alzheimer's to leukemia and cancer. And it's applicable to so many different scenarios. It's wild. It's a wild science. I'm a believer in it. I do well, believe it, that. It, 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 it is. I mean, I saw a video about a group that's doing that, that's working with uh, Alzheimer's and dementia patients. And they go into this nursing home and you see these patients in wheelchairs and they're down, leaning down, depressed and everything. And then they put on headphones with the music of their youth. And all of a sudden you see these old people transform. And now they're like, they're raising up and they're singing and they're like, it just, it takes them back and their brain goes in a different path and where the brain is at that Alzheimer's dementia path. It is so a, it's such a powerful thing, and it's not used uh, enough. It's not used in the ways it could be. So, yeah, I can't wait to hear more about what you're doing with that because it is it, it is a powerful force uh, in, in healing and in health and mental health. So, yeah, man, it sounds great. Sounds great. Right on. Love it, man. Fantastic. Well, you know, there's, uh, we're kind of, you know, I, I knew it when I started the show, I needed like three to four hours to get And so I'm kind of jamming through it. And then, of course, the fact that I had to do a silent and uh, opening just kind of made it even more fun. Right. But um, I just kind of want to get to one more, two more pieces, really, uh, with you. And one is, of course, is um, the other thing that you're into, which, of course, is Sweetwater, which is basketball. So here's a bunch of pictures with... Uh, <laughs> Us and Noah, your your son, and um, on the basketball court that we've been doing for over ten years together. And then this is a picture from you with Sweetwater, and of course oh, wow. Noah with his basketball. And uh, you know, this is something that we do every you know week for over ten plus years. But it's it's your passion, and it's always you know you come away from these games and you just energize, man. You know, and and I won't say what film, but you know, we actually scheduled a film once so that. Our day off was Wednesday so we could play basketball. <laughs> but um, that just shows how fanatic you and me are when it comes the sacred, to the sacred schedule. That's right. The sacred schedule. <laughs> um, but, you know, Noah, now Noah is, you know, we've I've been playing basketball. If you look at that picture since I don't know how old he was in that picture right there. But, I mean, you know, and he's just gotten better and better, you know. So now, you know, he, he he's like he's scoring – 15 20 points a game doesn't miss anything but but you know something new has happened which i think you might have planned maybe i'm wrong uh, tell me if it's true see Noah used to play i always play on martin's team which is a, which is great all these years but Noah used to play on our team and now he's starting to play on the other team and the other team's winning so i think this is a kind of a gigi conspiracy where this way no matter who wins the game the gigi's win 
Noah wins or, or Martin wins. <laughs> Am I wrong? <laughs> well, I've never thought of it that way, but you know, now that I now that you've pointed it out, maybe we'll just just leave that alone. That's perfect. Yeah, why not? Although I do think we should. But I want him back. I think, I think we may need to do some negotiating during the off season for off season trade. I think we got to trade him back because you know I'm just not liking losing to to your son, man. It's just it, it it's just a little too painful for me. But <laughs> oh my goodness, that's funny, man. I never thought of that. Wow, see, that's the CIA. That's, <laughs> that's the CIA guy in you. That was pretty good. <laughs> that was a little conspiracy theory, right? Um, but, you know, we played during COVID together. You came down with him and we played over in Santa Monica and we played, you know, we've played nonstop, man. And, and I've seen him grow and his love and his passion and just the love you put into him, you know. And the other part of that, of course, is, you know, you're all about um, uh, friends and family. And this is just a picture of what we call the four moots. Um, <laughs> James, you and me. Um you know, so that's, you know, we always have a great time when we get a chance to get together. And then the big part, of course, is your family, man. You know, uh, Dahlia, who is, once again, as talented as anybody can be, actress, producer, uh, mother, you name it. Um, and then, of course, your talented kids, all of them. So, you know, you, you kind of you got that whole package, man. You know, it's a it's a blessing. I think, you know, you're you're blessed by a lot and you give a lot back because you are blessed by a lot. Oh, thank you, John. That was so heartwarming. My goodness, to see those photos there, I didn't expect that. That's awesome. Wow. Feels like it's a combination of either my birthday um, or, uh, you know, just a celebration of life with you. It's just such a, such a cool thing. This is so and then, great. And then, of course, we got, you know, the Sweetwater basketball right here. <laughs> so, but I think more importantly, I think it's, it's oh, yeah. Oh, they, oh, there's the classic ball. This is the wow. one that I, I think I played 10 years with this basketball. You know what you need to do with that ball is you need to bring it to uh, a, a next Wednesday night and have everybody sign it. Hey, that's a beautiful idea. I love it. Yeah. And more importantly, it's most importantly, don't forget, this is before. <laughs> and that's after. All right. Well, you know, we'll, we'll have to do you have to do a version <laughs> on the court with you, too. We'll do a before and after, man. <laughs> right that, on. That would be such a blast. So what? So going forward for you, man. What? what obviously, you got more um, music things coming up. You got um, more movies coming up, and you know, you you just uh, you just don't stop going, which is the way to live life. Is you know, to take advantage of every bit of energy you got, man. Leave, or like we like to say, I think is leave it all on the court, right? Yeah, without a doubt. There's always something new. I'm always open to great stories, to telling great stories. And, uh, and to making music and uh, those, the, you know, laughing. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to look this up really quick because it's, it's, it's something worth sharing with everybody. I, um, a friend, a, a, I'm honored and proud to be able to say that uh, Quincy Jones is a, is a friend and uh, has always been very inspiring to me. And uh, we just, uh, we've been wor we were working on a uh, Man Henry Mancini's 100th birthday anniversary recording and documenting uh some of the most popular pieces that henry mancini did it's a greg field project in any event um one of the things that quincy said to me um uh, he looked at me and he said man i see you and i think of this and he said love 
laugh, live, and give. And I said, wow, man, I got to write that down because I'm never going to remember that. <laughs> and it's just something about love, laugh, live, and give. It sounds like a song. Maybe it sounds like something, but it's certainly a mantra that makes sense because it's simple. It's from the heart and soul. And it's also a, um, uh, it, it, it's purpose. And that's just so important, right? To always know that that is what we're doing here. That is why we are here. There is a purpose, a greater purpose than our own. And without getting, you know, not theological or spiritual about it, but it's something that keeps us all grounded. And, and it allows us, as, as, you know, your show says, to live, live courageously. Well, I think that's a great way, you know, it, it it's, uh, sums up you and it's a great way to live life. And I think it's a great way for the audience to, uh, to love, to live, to laugh and to give. Um, I think that's just a powerful, you know, it's four words, um, but, but they mean so much. And, and if you apply them in your life, you know, uh, you're going to have a great life. You know, it's, th th those are powerful, man. So is that and veggie shakes. And veggie shakes and, and and keep the green stuff off his plate. You, you, you see that before picture? That's what happened when somebody put some green things on his plate. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, too much fun, man. Too much fun. Well, brother, anything you would like to leave the audience with? It's been a blast. Um uh, this has been too much fun, man. I can't wait to get on the court. I'm going to bring my basketball for you to sign. We're going to do some some behind-the-scenes stuff with you, and uh, we're going to get Noah traded to my team, our team so we can start winning again because, you know, come on. <laughs> I think I, I think that make, that's a perfect plan. It's a great way to end the show. I'm so grateful, man, that you had me on. I'm a big fan of everything that you do, and you inspire so many people, John, and uh, keep doing what you do and who you are. I love you. And I think the best way to end the show would be the way that we started the show, which is. <laughs> Love you back, brother. Thank you so much. See, I was just rehearsing that line. I was rehearsing my lines. I didn't know the camera was on. Yeah, sure. <laughs> I've got, I'm gonna, on this show, I think we go with take two. Take two. Indeed. I love it. Take two. Circle brother. that. <laughs> Have a good one, man. Thank you. Best, and I'll see you Wednesday on the basketball court. Much love, love man. Love to you and love to everybody. All right. Be good, man. Well, that was an interesting show. I've never done that before, to spend the whole time doing the opening on mute. So, you know, it, it definitely something for me to laugh about myself in the future. But if you do watch the show, unless you want to uh, observe me doing a mute uh, intro of Martin Gigi, you might want to skip ahead a little bit until we take two and he comes on screen. So I'll, I'll give some notes on that. Um, and, and once again, uh, thank you, everybody, for watching. If you watched it live, hopefully you watch it later. And I'll make a note about the silent uh, introduction. Um, but, you know, I think what uh, Martin left us with take two, uh, to live, to laugh, to love and to give, I think is a good way to sum it up. Until I see you next Sunday, I'm going to have a um, 2 p.m. I have um, a military veteran buddy, uh, Andre Andrews Jr., who is the founder nonprofit of Warriors uh, Road, which takes uh, military veterans and first responders and does equine therapy for them in Los Angeles. So watch that show next Sunday at 2 p.m. And subscribe, whatever you do. Let's see if I can get that real quick in so you can get that message. 
Subscribe. Subscribe to my YouTube channel, um, uh, Live Courageously on YouTube, so you can get uh, notifications for the show every Sunday at 2 p.m. Until I see you again, uh, love, laugh, live, and give, and live courageously. Have a great day.